Welcome to Community Universalist Church. We are an inclusive online community that has come together to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, provide instruction in the Christian Universalist faith, and provide a place for people from all over the world to worship together. We support one another in faith and love so that we may, in turn, faithfully serve God wherever we are called to do so. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter who you love, no matter what you believe or what you don't believe, you are invited to worship with us today. Eternal God, in the reading of your scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Paul stood up in the middle of the council on Mars Hill and said, People of Athens, I see that you are very religious in every way. As I was walking through town and carefully observing your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. What you worship as unknown, I now proclaim to you. God, who made the world and everything in it, is Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in temples made with human hands, nor is God served by human hands, as though he needed something, since he is the one who gives life, breath, and everything else. From one person, God created every human nation to live on the whole earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their lands. God made the nations so they would seek him, perhaps even reach out to him and find him. In fact, God isn't far away from any of us. In God we live, move, and exist. As some of your own poets said, we are his offspring. Therefore, as God's offspring, we have no need to imagine that the divine being is like a gold, silver, or stone image made by human skill and thought. God overlooks ignorance of these things in times past, but now directs everyone everywhere to change their hearts and minds. This is because God has set a day when he intends to judge the world justly by a man he has appointed. God has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Here ends the reading. A reading from the first epistle of Peter. Who will harm you if you are zealous for good? But happy are you even if you suffer because of righteousness. Don't be terrified or upset by them. Instead, regard Christ the Lord as holy in your hearts. Whenever anyone asks you to speak of your hope, be ready to defend it. Yet do this with respectful humility, maintaining a good conscience. Act in this way so that those who malign your good lifestyle in Christ may be ashamed when they slander you. It is better to suffer for doing good, if this could possibly be God's will, than for doing evil. Christ himself suffered on account of sins once for all, the righteous one on behalf of the unrighteous. He did this in order to bring you into the presence of God. Christ was put, on, was put to death as a human, but made alive by the Spirit. And it was by the Spirit that he went to preach to the spirits in prison. In the past, these spirits were disobedient, when God patiently waited through the, during the time of Noah. 
Noah built an ark in which a few, that is eight, lives were rescued through water. Baptism is like that. It saves you now, not because it removes dirt from your body, but because it is the mark of a good conscience towards God. Your salvation comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is at God's right side. Now that he has gone into heaven, he rules over the over all angels, authorities, and powers. Here ends the reading. A reading from the Gospel of John. If you if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father, and he will send another companion, who will be with you forever. This companion is the Spirit of Truth, whom the world can't receive, because it neither sees him nor recognizes him. You know him because he lives with you, and will be with you. I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live too. On that day you will know that I am my, that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, love me. Whoever loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Here ends the reading. title of the sermon this today is does baptism save us and uh you know i try to have little little like stories or or uh or you know little stories i guess from my life at the beginning of my sermons usually but uh, today i don't have one <laughs> instead uh I was reading through the, the reading this week, especially the one from First Peter, and I saw this bit about baptism. And this was this is this is the fascinating thing. You know, I uh, maybe this is your story. So I I went I went to seminary. You know, I wasn't raised in the church, and so I didn't read the Bible very much uh, until I was um, in seminary, really. Yeah, I mean, uh, I start, I read it before then, but but only once. You know, and then and then when I was in seminary, I was reading the Bible. Uh, not only because of my classes, but you know, my personal, because of my personal reading. And I got on these, uh, I got on Bible apps that would, you know, where I could would keep track of how much I read every day. And uh, I did an audio Bible, I listened to an audio Bible, you know, uh, different things. So I was trying to, uh, to really improve my, my knowledge of the Bible. And I, I read multiple translations. I took Greek and, uh, and translated uh, New Testament Greek into English on my own. You know, translated all of of um, of um, uh, <laughs> I'm totally blanking. One of the epistles <laughs> um, into into uh, into English. 
But yet, every time I read through, I find something that I didn't notice before. Uh, and one of the nice things about using a lectionary to decide our readings for the year, which is the lectionary is the schedule that, that lists which readings we'll have each week. And it's, uh, we use the common revised lectionary and it's used by many churches, um, throughout the world, uh, you know, both in the U S and overseas. And so a lot of churches will have these same readings today, but I hadn't noticed this bit in Peter about baptism. And so when I saw it, I thought, oh, this is what I'm going to preach on because this is, this is exactly the kind of thing that, that comes up. Um, that, you know, Christianity is a very diverse belief system and there's not one Christianity really. There's really many kinds of Christianity that are, that are practiced by many different groups all over the world. And for the most part, we consider ourselves to all be the same family, the same Christian family, but we have different ideas about things, different things that are important to us, different aspects of our faith um, and beliefs that we, that, that we uh, find central. And uh, of course, you know, for me and for, uh, for most folks in the, the Christian Universalist Association, universal reconciliation is one of those things. I mean, the idea that, that, that there's no, that no one goes to hell forever is, uh, is really important in my faith. And so that's, you know, kind of central. And I preach on it a lot because uh, for two reasons, one, because it is central and important to my faith. And secondly, because a lot of people ask me about it, <laughs> you know, and so I, they have questions. I'm trying to answer their questions. And so when I saw this thing on baptism, it made me think of that. There was a group, um, and during the Reformation, there was a, there was a group of, uh, of Christians, uh, often called the Radical Reformation, um, or the anti, the, uh, anti, uh, sorry, Anabaptists, who disagreed with some of the ideas around baptism and the Eucharist and various other, other parts of the, uh, the Christian, uh, belief system at the time. And, Really, they were taking a lot of the things that Jesus said very seriously and very, you know, uh, literally. And so they were, they were, um, they refused to, to give oaths. They would not promise or give an oath. So they couldn't take an oath of office. They couldn't serve in a political position. They, they couldn't serve on a jury, for example. They, they would not, they would not swear, uh, on the Bible. Um, they refused to fight. They refused to kill. They, uh, would not be in wars. They, they uh, were known as conscientious objectors. They would refuse to, to fight. Uh, even if they were drafted into the army, the military, they would just refuse to fight. They uh, would, would always rescue uh, someone in need. Um, in fact, one of the, one of the, uh, this, this was considered a heresy in parts of Europe and, and the Anabaptists were um, were burned at the stake and, and other, other things. And one of the stories, and I forget who it is, the actual person. I think it's, I think it's, um, I'm not going to guess. I, I forget who it is, but he was running from somebody. And the person he was running from fell into, into a lake and was drowning. And he went back and helped him. And after he helped him, the guy arrested him and he burned, and he ended up being burned at the stake for that. Um, you know, these, these folks, if you say nothing else about them, they were very sincere about their beliefs. And one of their beliefs was around baptism. They believed that you must be an adult and you must be, uh, of an, you, know, you must be, 
you must be able to make a decision to be baptized. That, that infant baptism was a bad idea because uh, you have to be have to be of an, of an age where you can really decide to be a Christian. This idea was picked up by the the Baptists, uh, which are kind of you know kind of related to the Anabaptists, but not not really. But um, they 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 also picked up this idea of adult baptism. But uh, the and the term Anabaptist actually, actually comes from the fact that they would be rebaptized. So these were uh, largely uh, folks in the Church of England, um, and they were you know, baptized as infants, but then they would be rebaptized as adults as part of this this movement. But one of the things uh, about the uh, some of these groups, not all of them, but some of them, is that is why baptism was important to them. And this this is, I think, uh, really interesting and really important thing for us, uh, specifically with universal salvation. So, if we believe that all people are saved, then we have to let go of ideas that there is something that we do that saves us. Uh, you know, and actually, even if we don't believe all are going to be saved, I think we can still let go of this idea. I think that a lot of um, Calvinist and um, other Reformation era theology would agree with this, really. I mean, Luther would certainly agree with this, that there's nothing you can do that saves you. It's only the grace of God that saves you. And different groups uh, argue for different twists and, and turns on the theology to, to so that they can also keep what's important to them uh, in their in their ideas. For example, uh, the Methodists believe that there's preeminent, uh, pre- preeminent, preeminent, I always forget the word that there's grace before grace. So, um, you know, you have you have the grace of being saved, uh, but there's also the grace before that that brings you to the church in the first place. And so you can, you know, God gives you the grace to bring you to the church, but then you you decide whether or not to accept God's grace. There's this whole thing, but but it's universalist. We believe everyone is saved, and so we have to let go of this idea that things like baptism and communion are required as part of our salvation. We have to give up the idea even that that uh, accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior in this life is required for our salvation. Uh, you know, what we say is that all will be saved through Jesus, um, but that that might take eons, that it, you know, that it doesn't always happen in our own lifetime. So this is part of why for us, uh, we don't often use the term sacrament. The so sacrament uh, has generally referred us to, in most denom- Christian denominations, it refers to, to baptism and um, and uh, communion. And then in some denominations, especially uh, uh, the Church of England or, or the Episcopal, Dom- Episcopal Catholics, Lutherans, it also refers to things like um, holy orders, which is being ordained, marriage, um, I always forget them. Penance, which is uh, confession, uh, unction, which is last rites, things like that. But most Christians will will agree that baptism and Eucharist are are sacraments. And by sacrament, what it means is that it's it's a sacred thing that is that is bringing, helping to bring about your your salvation. And of course, people argue about. 
exactly how that works. And there are universalists who still think that baptism and and um, uh, you and communion are sacraments, even if they think that everyone is saved. But instead, I tend to call them ordinances. And this is not an invention of my own. This is something that that has been used in the church for a long time. And in fact, the the uh, communion service that I use, which is taken from the uh, ni- the early 20th century, I think 1903, um, worship book of, of the Universalist Church of America, has this wording. It says sacrament. It says a um, ordinance instead of sacraments. It's come take this ordinance. And what they're saying there, the point they're making is that this is still a function of the church. That part of what we do in our lives as Christians is that we are baptized and that we take communion. And, but we're, but what we're saying is that those things don't save us. Those things don't, don't, those are not the things that bring grace upon us. We already have grace, the grace of God, whether we had, uh, baptism or communion or not. But those are ordinances of the, the ordinances of the church that we, that we do. And I think what Peter says really talks to that. Let me find the actual thing here. So, First of all, Peter's talking about living a good life. You know, he says, if someone asks you about being Christian, and you have to remember that Peter's, Peter's speaking to the early church living under the, Roman, under the Roman Empire. So he says, if someone asks you about being Christian, you know, be honest, tell them about, about yourself and tell them about, you know, what you, what you believe, but be respectful and be, be uh, humble about it. Um, you know, act in a way where if someone were to speak b- badly of you, they would, they would feel bad for doing it. You know, I always think about Mr. Rogers uh, from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood when I think of this. You know, Mr. Rogers was a Presbyterian minister. And uh, on the one hand, you would never know it from watching the show because he never talks about it. But on the other hand, it's very obvious, right? Because he lives a life, um, you know, embodying the teachings of Christ. He doesn't have to say it out loud. He says it with his actions. And then he says, Peter, Peter says that Christ suffered on account of, of sins. He doesn't say of our sins. He doesn't say of your sins. He says of sins. And he says once and for all. In other words, he suffered once for all of us. The righteousness of one uh, on behalf of the unrighteousness of all. He did this in order to bring you into the presence of God. Christ was put to death as a human, but made alive by the Spirit. And it was by the Spirit that he went to preach to the spirits in prison. Now here, he's talking about the dead, right? He's talking about those that have already gone before us. There's a c- common question. Well, how do how are the folks who, who were here before Christ, how are they saved? And the answer is that according to scripture, Christ went and preached to them. In the past, these spirit, spirits, the dead, were disobedient. When God patiently waited during the time of Noah, for example, right? Noah built an ark in which a few lives were rescued by water. Baptism is like that, like the ark, like the the few being by the, by the rescuing by water. It saves you now, not because it removes dirt from your body, but because it is the mark of good conscience towards God. In other words, it is an action that you undertake of intention, of intentionality. You are being intentional about living a life according uh, to God and and, uh, the example Jesus gives us. 
And then Peter says, your salvation comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not through your own actions, not through your baptism, not through taking communion, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ that has already happened, who is at God's right side. Now that he has gone into heaven, he rules over all the angels, authorities, and powers, including the power of death. Right? So, does baptism save us? No, it doesn't. Is it important? Yes, it's important. Is infant baptism okay? Yes, infant baptism is fine. Uh, in infant baptism, it's about the intentionality of the parents and the intentionality of the community around them. They're going to raise this child in a way um, as, as part of the community. With adult baptism, it's about the intentionality of the person being baptized. It's the same with communion. The importance of communion is the intentionality. It's how, it's what you are doing. It's, it's, it's the way that you are doing it and the, the fact that you're taking time to do this thing. It's not the exact words that you say. It's not a, it's not a magical spell, you know, or a potion. It's, but coming together with others, even if it's, if you're by yourself and the others are, are only, um, you know, uh, your ancestors or your friends who can't be there with you, but coming together and worshiping in this way, Christ is present with us. Christ is present wherever we come together because we remember him and he can therefore be there with us just as he was um, with the apostles. I hope this is giving you something to think about this week as you go out and, and go out in the world. Um, I hope that if, if you have not been baptized, but you would like to be, that you have an opportunity to do that. I, uh, if, if that's something that interests you, please reach out to me and um, through, hopefully, preferably through Discord, and uh, we, can, we can figure out how to, um, how to make that happen for you wherever you are. But I do think it's, it's, um, it can be a very meaningful, uh, very meaningful ritual to go through as part of becoming uh, a part of the church. On the other hand, if you live in a place where it's not possible for you to be baptized, or if you simply have a life condition that prevents you from being baptized for whatever reason, then that's also completely fine. You're still a member of our community if you want to be. You don't have to be baptized to be a member of our church. May God's Holy Spirit lead you. May God's strength protect you. May God's peace be with you. Go now in the name of God, by the grace of Christ, and with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen.